Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, there's certain days um, on this beat, Steve, that I, I will remember, but for the wrong reasons. And that is, you know, we forget that the players that play for the Bucks, the Lightning, the Rays, for that matter, um, they have families and they have lives and things happen to them. Um, you don't always hear about them, but they're public figures. And when, when certain things happen, it becomes news. And Sunday was one of those days, man. I was just, you know, polishing off a kind of a leftover draft story, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and I got word and had to confirm it. Um, unfortunately, that Shaq Barrett's two-year-old daughter um, had drowned in the family swimming pool in their South Tampa home Sunday morning. This happened around 9.30. Um, it wasn't until later in the afternoon that, uh, that I learned of it. And eventually the uh, Tampa Police Department uh, released a statement and confirmed um, that um, their baby daughter, who had I think recently turned two years old, actually, um, was transported uh, to an area in hospital. She had fallen in the pool, transported to an area in hospital. They tried to save her life, obviously, and she was pronounced um, deceased a short time later. They're having an ongoing investigation. I mean, this is fairly routine. You know, the forensic uh, people come in, and um, but uh, TPD said that there was nothing suspicious in nature. Um, just purely accidental and and a tragic incident. And any of us who live in Florida and have pools and children, um, it is a uh, a constant uh, matter of angst. Um, And you take measures, and everyone does, uh, to to ensure their safety. And yet, uh, this is all too common, uh, an occurrence, because it only takes a second, to be honest with you. Um, So... I mean, if you know Shaq Barrett, and I think most of the people do in this community have, have watched him enough, have seen him with his wife, Jordana, who they've been together since high school. High school. Uh, they had their first child. They have three other children. They had their first child. I think it, I think Shaq was like 19, 20 years old. Um, you know what wonderful people they are. And I mean salt of the earth. You know, like I've covered teams, so many of them, and there are certain players that, you will always remember for just their humanity as much as anything they do on the field. And and Shaq Barrett's one of those guys, and so is his wife. They care about children. They do a lot of things for them. They are a great family. Um, they are what you'd want as a neighbor, a friend, a teammate, you name it. And so for anyone, this this is awful. For them, I'm telling you, it, it was it was just a gut punch, and as I sit here now and and think about what has transpired, um, any of us that are parents, this is everyone's biggest nightmare, um, and it's happened to somebody that you know very well, and I feel like the community knows them well, and so for that reason, the reaction has been, you know, swift and and um, solemn and just 
your heart goes out to all of them and you don't there's no words you can say there's there's really there's really nothing um that you know can can help them other than um you pray for them and you and and you try to lift them up and support them and and they have no shortage of friends and family that will do that um but this was a tough day it's you put it best it's every parent's worst nightmare yeah yeah. You know, I mean, it's the thing you, I don't say fear, but dread is, is losing a child. No question. Um, and, and for a two-year-old to, to drown in the family pool is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't fathom what they're going through. Um, you know, I, we have a pool. It was always a worry of ours when kids were that sure. age, particularly. I think it is for everybody. Um, I mean, it just is. You know, and it's, I, 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 you know, still reading the stories and, and knowing, I just, I, I, I can't fathom what that, what Shaq and his wife and, and kids his, and, and, his and friends family, and family yeah. are going through. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It is. And, and like I said, I mean, these, um, <laughs> these, these folks are loving people and, uh, generous people and the kind of, people that you want as a neighbor as a friend as as a relative as you know would do anything for other people i mean that's that's kind of who they are they have huge hearts and so for that reason i think all of you know tampa base and and you know he spent a lot of time in denver um you know colorado uh, where he went to college like there's so many places that uh he has known and loved and the reaction was what you would expect it to be uh, you know, nationwide from a lot of people, in, including some teammates. Now, now, if you know Shaq, um, you're not going on social media and making very many comments. I saw one from Leonard Fournette. Um, but you're you're certainly, you know, trying to reach out to him in, in, in any way you can and let him know you're there to support him and Jordana. But uh, Jordana, I, I just, I hate these stories. I hate, I hate this story for them. I'd hate it for any parent. Um and and I'll just say this, just to get on my soapbox just for a minute. Um, sometimes I hate social media, maybe more often than not. But but for those who who you know wanted to get on here and be preachy about you know child safety, we don't have a single detail, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you, as a parent, and anyone who has been a parent. Right, um, or has been around children, know how incredibly quick things can change. How how easy it is for a, a two year old to be in one spot one second and somewhere entirely somewhere else in another. Right, you turn your head and and you know, and I don't even know that that's the case. Like I, none of us have a single detail, but boy, there's a lot of people that seem to think that there must have been something that happened here. You know what I mean, or something, some some kind of, of protection that wasn't afforded, and and I, I would just say to pump the brakes on all of that, and and irregardless of that, like no matter the circumstance, um, it is way too common, especially in this state, uh, and where there's uh, you know a lot of pools and water and things like that, um, it happens. I've got a fire chief that lives down the street from me, and and he's telling me he's like Rick. <laughs> You know, you, they're not all they're not all in the newspaper, right? Like, it's way too common of an occurrence, and 
Um, it's like you said, for us that have young children or had young children in, in, in pools and things like that, this is, under any circumstance, this is your worst nightmare, but um, particularly for those folks because I don't, I don't know that I would be capable of coming back from that. I, I think they are. They obviously have um, three other children that they have to wrap their arms around, and this community needs to do that as well. Um, and he's one of the stronger, and they're both two of the strongest people I know. But if you get on your knees uh, and you have any faith at all, I would say say a prayer for them and that family and those people for what they're going through and hope that they find the strength uh, uh, to, to carry on one day at a time. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just a terrible, terrible day um, that, uh, that they will now have to, to live with the rest of their lives. And there's really nothing else that needs to be said about that. But um, our heart goes out to, to both of them and, and for all their friends and family as well. All right, so there was uh, an NFL draft over the weekend and uh, actually began Thursday night with round one and then, of course, um, continued Friday night and then uh, on in the afternoon on Saturday. Let me just say this about the Bucs. Um, I like their draft. I haven't seen many of these guys play all that much and certainly not in the NFL. So the drafts, you know, I always think it's funny when people try to grade drafts when, like, okay, well, nobody's taking a snap. How do you know who they are or what they're going to do? This one, um, we went into it saying that the Bucks really had needs at offensive tackle, right, and for an edge rusher. I, I really I really believed, and I couldn't get anybody to disagree with me, even those on in the Bucks organization. I mean, this is not just me speculating. This is what was told to me that if you're going to list priorities – Offensive tackle, edge rusher. And there were both in this draft. Unfortunately, when you're picking 19th, um, there's a lot of good players that come off the board. And there were about four offensive tackles that would have had first-round grades. Maybe five, right? But a little separation between four and five. And unfortunately for the Bucks, those top four guys were gone by pick 11, Right? And so even if they attempted, and I don't know that they did, to try to trade up from 19, it takes you got to have a partner. you have somebody that's willing to do it. You know, when they got Tristan Wirfs, they were at 14, and San Francisco was willing to let them move up one spot for like a fifth-round pick. Uh, and they were able to get Tristan Wirfs, who was the fourth of the four offensive tackles that went in that draft in 2020. Well, I, th- I thought this year would be kind of similar, and it was, except those players were gone by 11. And so, you know, the Bucks were kind of left with, we could reach for that fifth tackle, right? Um, or we could take what we thought on our board was far and away the best player available at a position where, quite frankly, they have need. And so they did. They took Kalijah Kansi who was a defensive tackle, a three technique, if you will, um, from Pitt, actually from Miami, from the Miami Northwestern sort of factory where Levante David went to high school and all those guys down there, Liberty City, that start playing youth ball, you know, at, at five and six. I mean, they started really young. Um, and this guy's impressive, man. Like, 
it's different for Todd Bowles because we're used to Todd seeing Todd Bowles as defensive tackles combined to weigh about 700 pounds. I mean, you got Vita Vea who's at damn near 360, and then there'd be somebody else at 335 or 340, Akeem Hicks or something like that, in Domicon Sue, that type. So he's always had the big sort of plugger type defensive tackles in the middle of the defense. That's not this guy. Like this guy, his whole life has been kind of accused of being undersized at six foot, you know, 280 pounds. Um, and, you know, the thing he does that you it's really hard to find in this league is he's a, he's a pass rushing defensive tackle. It's hard to find guys that, that are, that play inside that can really get to the quarterback, you know, that have the strength and the quickness and he can do it. And he holds up in there against bigger players against 300 pound men over and over and over again. And they just felt like this was a sort of an easy choice for them when he got to him, you know, that, um, Look, he's been incredibly productive. He, he's an all, he's a first-team All-America player. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year as a junior. Uh, been a finalist for Nagurski and Outland Trophies, all of that. So, you know, last year, 11 starts, 7.5 sacks, 14.5 tackles for loss. He shows up. And when you meet him, he's impressive. He's very, he's very... It's funny because he and Levante are from the same area. Their temperament is so similar, it's scary. Kind of soft-spoken, very serious about football, right? Extremely mature. Um, isn't going to be outworked by anybody. Chip on his shoulder. Big chip on his shoulder, right? And so, like, I like the kid. I have, If you put on the tape... He's all over the field. Like he makes plays in the backfield. That's, you know, he kind of lives back there. Now, everybody says when they say about Cansey, they and because he went to Pitt and because he's the same size, well, Aaron Donald, that's the comparison, right? It's it's wrong to compare a guy who hasn't taken a snap in the NFL with a three-time defensive player of the year, okay, and and a first ballot Hall of Fame player. But at this same stage, Cansey's doing the same things that, that Aaron Donald did. And and so I would just say give him, give the guy a chance. Now, they needed an edge rusher. They really didn't get one. So you're going to require a lot of Joe Tron showing. And there's a, there's, they actually, I shouldn't say they didn't get one because they did draft one, actually. They just waited until the, the final day um, with Yaya uh, Diaby but, from Louisville. But... Uh, I liked, I like Cansey a lot. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Steve. I mean, anyone, you, you know, they, they, they've lost. Akeem Hicks has not been offered a new contract. Um, well, Golston has not been offered a new contract. Run, uh, no, uh, Nunez Roaches left to go to the Giants as a free agent. So they need people inside. Now, we'll see. Can Logan Hall make that step that he needs to make in his second year? We didn't see a lot of them the first year. They drafted a defensive tackle with their first pick a year ago. It was in the second round, but it was their first pick. So, I don't know. I kind of—I I mean, I like the guy. I, I, I thought they needed an offensive tackle, and it just didn't present itself. Well, you don't want to reach, particularly with a first-round pick. Exactly. So, if, if it's not there, you have two options. Draft the best person on your board at a position of need 
And yeah. defensive tackle wasn't the biggest need on the team, but it is a need, as you mentioned. It is a need. No Absolutely. Hicks, no Golston, no Nunez Roches. I mean, they don't ha- they right. have zero depth there right now. That's right. So it was a position of need. It wasn't maybe the mm-hmm. biggest position of need, but it's a position of need. Or yeah. your other option is to trade down. But in order to trade down, someone's got to be willing to trade up, too. I mean, someone's got to be wanting to come up to get somebody. They're not obviously coming up to get an offensive tackle because they weren't there as far as, you know, on the board at 19. So, you know, if if he's the biggest position of need and the best on their board, then they made the right pick. Now, we'll see whether it pans out, and that'll Mm -hmm. take a few years to know for sure. Right. You know, and, and, you know, maybe it also puts a spark under Logan Hall, who – didn't impress in his first year, you know, and I, I never write anybody off after one year in the NFL. Right. I mean, he had trouble time, getting but, on. If they had trouble carving out a role for him yep. for, you know, when when Hicks was out, he didn't show up and do a whole lot. Exactly. Um, but when Hicks was playing, um, they had trouble getting him on the field. They just kind of left, you know, Vita and him on there. Mm-hmm. And of course, Vita had a good year, six and a half sacks, all of that. Um, but, I don't know. I and and I'll just say this before we get too far into the draft. Like we're going to talk about offensive line here in just a minute, but and the the plan is now it's official. Tristan Wirfs is going to left tackle, mm-hmm. which may not be a horrible thing because he's incredibly athletic, and I would not ever been against Tristan Wirfs. But there might be a learning curve there. Is he going to be better than Donovan Smith? Yes, he'll wake up in the middle of the night and be better than Donovan Smith, having never played left tackle since Iowa. I don't care. Uh, at least last year's version of Donovan Smith. Now, the problem with that is the plan, you got to have a plan. Hope is not a plan. But the plan is Luke Gedeke going to right tackle. And if you if you watched Luke Gedeke last year, you're probably not real impressed. He was out of position. Not only was he switched from the left to the right side, or from the right to the left side, but he's also switched from tackle to guard because he played tackle at, at Central Michigan. One game, and one game only, the final game against Atlanta when they were you know, trying to rest players and didn't play Brady a lot and, and they wound up losing that game, um, he played right tackle. And by all accounts, and I'm not watching the film, but by all accounts they said, you know what, he looked like he belonged there because that's his position. So they think he's a much better right tackle than he was a left guard last year, and that's obvious because they eventually gave the job to somebody else. Um. But that's the plan, man. Like, you know, do they have other guys that could step in if they had to? Yeah, the Brandon Waltons maybe and, um, you know, some of these guys that, that they could try over there. But, you know, I, you know, they, they signed that, that Chargers free agent, Matt Feeler. He's played tackle before. But the idea is for him to go to guard. And so you there might be some hold-your-breath type of moments early in the season that, you know, we're going to have to see what they have, you know, in, in, in Luke and, and hope that he can hold up because if he doesn't, it could look a lot like it did last year, only worse because the one thing Brady was able to do was get rid of the football. And he only took 22 sacks on the year, which was the fewest in the NFL. But that was kind of smoke and mirrors because, that was on Brady getting rid of the ball, maybe too soon in many cases, not because the offensive line was any good. And they couldn't run the ball. They were last in the league in rushing and rushing attempts, yards, all that. 
Um, so uh, that's the one. That's the one negative about this draft that I would say you really needed a tackle. And you know, again, maybe they try to get one. Maybe they try to move up. They couldn't. You don't want to force it. I get that. And but a lot of it will depend on how well Kalijah Kansi plays. Uh, and the one thing he can do is run. There will be a theme in this draft as we go through these picks. They've added their speed to this team, particularly on defense. Um, they've gotten faster. So that was a goal. It's always a goal, but it was obvious too. And a lot of these guys have a lot of local ties or Florida ties or whatnot. Cansey, as I mentioned, is from Miami Northwestern. My favorite pick, and and he's just a cool story. How could you not like this guy round two, Steve? Cody Malk. Dude is a ringer, right, for Ryan Jensen. Minus two front teeth. Looks like he plays ringer. for the Lightning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and, you know, he's – you know, Jason Light has a type, right, when it comes to drafting offensive linemen. Um, first of all, you can't play for a Power 5 school for the most part. Uh, and I guess he's got a thing about red hair now. I don't know. But they're all starting to look a little bit alike. And then, um, you know, he, he likes this grit. Like, he likes these guys that are kind of, lack of a better term, I mean, some of them have you know grown up on a farm. They're just country strong, and they're – and they're ornery, and they play to the echo of the whistle, and they're fun to watch on tape. and And that's Cody Malk. I mean he he went to the he went to the uh, Senior Bowl, and they asked some of the defensive linemen, "Hey, who's the toughest offensive lineman you faced?" And the answer came back, Cody Malk. And you know, he this little tiny school in North Dakota. Of course, he went to North Dakota State, won a couple of national titles there. Uh, he started as a tight end, as some tackles do. Uh, and then, then they moved him um, to the offensive line, put on put on the weight that he needed to, and you know he becomes the All Missouri Valley you know conference guy that uh, that everyone's talking about. And he was from a tiny town, played nine man football in high school, all of that. Um, but you know they they just he has the grit, he has. Uh, sort of the pedigree that they like, and he has fun playing the game, and he's very smart. And so he fit kind of what Jason Light loves to go after. He did that with Ali Marpet from Division Three Hobart. He did that with Alex Kappa from a Division Two school. Even Ryan Jensen, you know, from Colorado Pueblo. And he didn't draft him, but he's a free. He was a free agent. Um, and even though Mock played, uh, Mock played tackle, they plan on playing him at guard. They stated pretty clearly after the draft that no, we see him as a guard. So there's there's suddenly a logjam at some of these guard positions, um, including you know if Ryan Jensen's able to play, then Robert Hainsey's going to be in that mix. Um, so they went to uh, continue on the second day, and the guy to watch and, and I mentioned the edge rusher. They addressed it. Um, they just didn't address it until round three. But Yaya Diaby, this dude got a motor now. I mean, he is fast, like sick fast. <laughs> I mean, I think he ran one of the fastest 40 times for a guy that's, you know, his size or uh, what over, what is he, over 250 or whatever, uh, uh, of anybody in the combine for quite a while. But uh, he's he's going to bring the speed. Um, 
and he's a serious cat as well. Um, and he he strikes me as sort of a sort of a Shaq Barrett type. You know what I mean? Like probably a little underdrafted. Probably should have gone a little higher than round three. Is going to get to learn from guys like uh, hopefully guys like Barrett. Joe Tryon is now in his third year. And so if he comes in here and does one thing, rush the quarterback and and get home, the speed that he has that he plays with, like when you put on the tape, he can change directions, run guys down from behind all over the field, and he never slows down. Like he, he hunts all the time. Big effort guy, incredible athlete. I, I think he's going to help them. I think he'd be one of my surprises. I mean, you take a dude – you know, it's still fairly high. You take a dude in the, in the third round, you're hoping he can add something to you. Um, but I think he's going to be, he's got a chance to be special. And then they went to the final day. Um, love this dude, Vacha Dennis, another guy from Pitt. So they went back to Pitt. They got the linebacker, the inside linebacker, you know, that, um, of course, had, had been a teammate of their first round pick, Kalijah Cansey. And uh Dennis is Dennis is funny, man. He's he's the son of uh two service people that were in the army. His dad is from St. Petersburg. Everybody on his dad's side is from St. Petersburg. His dad went to Bogusiega High School. Uh he had all his relatives on his paternal side, his grandmother, his grandfather, his uncles, cousins. We're all there in Syracuse, New York, where, where they are, because it's where the military took them of late. And they were all wearing buck shirts. Like sometimes, you know, you'll see the flash-ins or, you know, the, the look-ins to, to draft picks homes and stuff, and, and they might have a, like a bunch of hats, and they'll pick up the hat where they draft. No, no, no. These folks showed up wearing buck stuff. His dad has a customized number three bucks jersey with, with, uh, with their last name on it. Um, and they were ready for this to happen, even though, even though Savocha didn't, didn't know where he was going to go. But when, when he did go to Tampa Bay, there was a huge yelp. His phone blew up. Um, he couldn't be happier. And so I think, you know, having a teammate already here, that's going to be good for him. And they need inside linebackers. Look, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, beyond this year with Levante David, you uh, you know Devin White's asked for a trade. There's there's not much depth at that position, so good that they addressed it um, when they did. Uh, just running through it real quick. Um, they got a tight end, Payne Durham, who is uh, from Purdue. Uh, big tall guy with a lot of touchdowns. I think he had like 21 touchdowns in his uh, career there. Caught a lot of passes, can play in line, can can play in space. He's going to be a, a good addition to that young, what is now a very young tight end room, obviously with the two that they drafted a year ago. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. There's no cam break this year, obviously no Gronk. Um, so this guy could catch a lot of passes. Uh, they got Josh Hayes in round six. Josh Hayes, by the way, um, is a guy that is the – nephew of Geno Hayes, the late Bucks linebacker that died uh, at age 33 of liver disease in 2021, I think. And he looks just like him. <laughs> He's like a ringer. Uh, and 
a good kid from up the street, um, you know, in, in uh, the Lake Gibson area. And so he's coming home. Couldn't really fire it up. Special teams guy will help them right away there. They got a wide receiver. They need speed. We talked about speed. Hayes can really run. How about Trey Palmer? He can really, really run. They got him out of Nebraska, uh, a kid that uh, started his career at LSU and returned kicks for touchdowns there, then got to Nebraska. And when you play at Nebraska and you have over 1,000 yards receiving in a season and you scored nine touchdowns, um, you're pretty explosive. And he had a lot of big plays down the field. I think he led the nation in, in, in uh, you know, big pass plays. Uh, their final pick uh, of the draft was Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan, uh, another guy that's uh, out of Auburndale High School, so another Florida connection there. Uh, had a lot of tackles, um, you know, 19 and a half tackles for losses last season and uh, can rush the passer a little bit, another, another special teams guy um, that they got in the sixth round. So uh, they had traded their seventh round pick. They moved around, you know, traded up uh, one or two times. And I think on the whole, I think they got what they needed and what they didn't get in the draft. They got um, as they began to sign undrafted free agents, you know, and including, how about this, Steve, Kurt Warner's son, Cade is coming. How about that? It's pretty cool. That is very cool. Unless you're a Bucks fan and you can't forgive him. For the you know that '99 NFC Championship game when he Kurt Warner threw the touchdown pass to Ricky Pro with four minutes and 44 seconds left and the Bucks lost 11 to six, yeah, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. But guess what? Kurt Warner now Kurt Warner Buccaneer fan, <laughs> big Buccaneer fan. As a matter of fact, which is kind of cool. It is, and and of course, if he helps lead the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl, maybe all will be forgiven for Kurt. all will be forgiven. That's right. Hey. He taketh, he giveth, he, he taketh away, and then he giveth. Um, Cade actually did, he had transferred from Nebraska. He actually had a nice year for K-State. Remember, they won the Big 12. Um, and they beat TCU, yet TCU still made the semifinal. But the dude had his best year. He's played like five or six years of college football. A lot of these guys played at least five years of college football with COVID and stuff. Transfers, went in the portal, all that. Um, but he had 46 catches a year ago, 456 yards, five Five touchdowns and played well, as I mentioned, in the, in the Big 12 championship game. So, again, um, I, there's room on this football team for guys at wide receiver to make the team because, um, you know, they, they, we know the three veterans they got, but they're they're looking for speed. They're looking for returnability, and, um, and, and, and they, need, they need another receiver or two. Uh, the undrafted free agents, another noble guy is uh, Sean Tucker, who went to Syracuse. He rushed for 3,182 yards, 27 touchdowns there. Um, they paid him, I want to say they guaranteed him some $225,000 to come here. Almost did better than he would do if he had been drafted because he was one of those real elite free agents, as was uh, Maryland wide receiver uh, Rakeem Jarrett. He signed for $225,000 as well as, an, again, undrafted free agent, signing bonus, $25,000. So I kind of like what they did, um, especially filling in some needs, offensive linemen, uh, definitely a bunch of receivers because you got to have those for camp. And, um, you know, the 
rookie mini camp won't be no won't be this week. It'll be the the following week, along about uh, I want to say Wednesday or Thursday, probably. Uh, the schedule, by the way, will come out not this week, but the following week on a Thursday. That's that's the word for Courtney. My short shoes, Courtney Evans, Shifter. Dish. When the schedule will come out, we'll all find out where we're going to be in the fall, which is always fun to look at, at how it falls. When, when, that's a big night for the Gruden people. And then. Um, so you're saying we can pre tape the uh, podcast that night? Just win. I think so. Win. I think win. I will go right through it, man. We're going to go right through that schedule and tell you the record. 16, 17, and 0, man. Did it again. Um, well, the NFL but, can now release the schedule now that Lamar Jackson is signed and Aaron Rodgers has been traded. Yeah, those are kind of big developments. It's a big story, the first day of the draft, and it's like right before they uh, hit the gavel there, uh, Lamar Jackson um, has his five-year deal. Good for him, by the way. Good for Todd Munkin, who was sweating it out because he's like, I don't know why I'm here if we can't get Lamar and OTAs. So how about the AFC with their quarterbacks? And you add Aaron Rodgers to the mix of that. I mean, there's going to be like three really good quarterbacks that don't even make the playoffs next year in the AFC. That's how stacked it is. NFC, not so much. I think it's wide open. Of course, um, no surprise that uh, the Carolina Panthers took Bryce Young. Bit of surprise that at number two, you know, there's a lot of talk about what Houston was going to do. They went ahead and got C.J. Stroud. He was overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and if you saw the pictures of, of him and uh, Bryce Young together, kind of in the on, on the back end of uh, uh, you know the green room area, kind of when uh, when the names were announced, it tells you everything you need to know about those two guys. I mean, they they obviously were competing to see who was going to be the first overall pick, but they weren't competing. They became really close and were generally happy for each other. And you see the embrace; it's just a really cool thing, man. When you're you know. You're going to be linked for history, right? They're, they're, people always compare the first two quarterbacks in any draft, whether it's Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf or Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Uh, there's always going to be this this common bond. And so now C.J. Stroud has it with, with Bryce, and it's really cool. And uh, I think they both could do well. Of course, it's up to the organizations to put the good players around them and the coaching and all of that. Um, but, yeah, so it was a – uh, I, I think it was a good draft for Jason Light. Uh, I think there's some guys that'll have really big upsides. They put a lot of work into it. They um, like these players. They they know that some of them will help them immediately. And, you know, it's going to be on – now it's on the coaching staff. Now it's on Todd Bowles and those guys to get them playing and, and uh, get them all pulling in the right direction. So still don't know about the tackle. I'm not sold. I'm just not sold on that. They'll have to show me. That um, that Luke can hold up at right tackle. I'm, I'm confident that that Tristan can make the transition to left, but I don't think it's ideal. Um, but you know what? As as John Spytek said, you know sometimes you don't always get what you want. You know I think the Rolling Stones said it best. But uh, you know they 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 took the players that um, they thought were worth taking in those spots. I haven't forgotten about your Tampa Bay Lightning, folks. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. We talk about them all the time. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 13 years in the area in a field where there's all these fly-by-night companies. May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. That's the difference. How long? Well, they guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty plus. With every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for your appliances. 
That is what they're calling the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install, and they will customize it to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, right? So all those guys up there with the solar panels on the roof, those are Billy May's guys. You know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve those appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I got a dirty word for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that word is overtime. Goodness. They are now 1-10 in in their last 11 (laughs) overtime playoff games. I don't even think, like we were talking about before the podcast, it, it, what's the statistic probability that you could lose 10 out of 11 overtime games in the NHL? It, I mean, overtime is, is when it's sudden death overtime, and high, it's pretty random. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's not supposed to be that one-way lopsided right. at all. And for the Lightning, and for a team that, what, they went 6-2 and two in the bubble in overtime? And played right. the most overtime minutes ever in a postseason. Of course, when you five start with a five-overtime game. game, it helps. Yeah. But you, the narrative is they're really good in overtime. And since then, they've they've been they, – the only win was game six last year when Braden Point beat Toronto to force game That's seven. That's right. They lose huge, three overtime games at home. They hold three pl- playoff games this year at home. They lose all three of them in overtime. I don't know the answer to this, which is why I'm asking the question. If you don't, it's Okay. Did they lose three in a row at home at all this year? To anyone? I don't believe at at home. I mean, they they lost four in a row a couple times this season, right? Which, but which that means they like three straight at home. Like during, the, I, I don't think during the course of the year they had had that. I mean, they they were they had the second best home record in in hockey this year. So I'm, I'm right, and that's what's so weird about it, right? And if if for not, I mean, and all the credit to Toronto. Obviously, they were facing their own ghosts and stuff, and it probably got really tight for them, but. It just seemed as if, you know, the Lightning couldn't finish. I mean, they, they you know, they had the the, first, the overtime game where they allowed a goal with a minute to go, allowed the game winner, 40-something seconds left in overtime in that one. Um, they had the, had the three-goal lead, which I think is the one that's unforgivable. Um, they should never blow a three-goal lead in, in, in the final period like they did, and that went into overtime. They lost that one. Um it just felt like in the big moments, whether it was a face-off in their own zone, whether it was um, trying to get out of a period, you know, just closing out games, quite frankly, with a minute to go or closing out an overtime, whatever. In the big moments, they didn't either get the bounce, didn't make the play, didn't win the face-off, and that's all it took. Like, I think they were the better team pretty much the whole series, except when it mattered the most. I would say the, they outplayed in Toronto games. in five of the six games. Yes, except the one they got blasted up there, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. 
And if you take out yeah. the, the two in Toronto where each team dominated one, the last yeah. four games, the Lightning outplayed Toronto. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win in hockey. You no, know, the, the overtime goal in game six, Toronto just threw the puck at the net, and it goes off Darren Radish's skate in the net. Yeah, The Lightning spent a lot of time trying to pass the puck into the net, not shooting the That's puck true. on the net in overtime. That's true. Because mm-hmm. they controlled play in that overtime. They did. They were they were controlling much like they did in game three when they were controlling and play in the overtime. And you made the you made the point that there was a lot of rebounds, and in fact, the the game tying goal was just was was one mm-hmm. thrown on the net. It came out, and Stamkos followed it up um, uh, with a goal. It seemed like you're right. It seemed like they were trying to hit the perfect centering pass through the crease or whatever it was, uh, rather than just you know getting pucks on net and then and then crashing it for rebounds. Look, Samsonov played very well in this series, better mm-hmm. than I expected and most people expected. Right, but he gives up a ton of rebounds. He does. He does not. And and the Lightning at that point throw pucks on the net. Yes, force him to get rebounds. Force yes. him to give up those rebounds. And and you know that's what I don't think the Lightning did enough of in this series. Is at times just get it on him to see where a rebound goes. You know, I mean, they controlled right. a lot of the play, but mm-hmm. like you said, Stamkos' game tying goal in, in Game Six was a rebound. Yeah, that's all. You know, I, I, like I said, Samsonov played well and played a lot better than you expected him to. Mm-hmm. But if you watch that series, the the amount of rebounds he gives up in juicy areas is a lot. And and now, to make matters worse, the Florida Panthers upset the Boston Bruins. I know. Jeez. Which means the Lightning would have had home ice in this second round <sighs> had they beaten Toronto. Yeah. Now Toronto's well, going to face Florida. That's going to start Tuesday night, I believe. Yeah. So the stinking Panthers have advanced, the knocking off Panthers the Bruins. Who is? I, mean, I don't know if this is a bigger loss, bigger than the loss Lightning. than the Lightning to they, Columbus. They didn't get swept, but they they had three more wins and more points than the Lightning, and had a what a forty six point or forty three point difference between them and the Panthers. Well, we're, we're, I don't know this. Were they were they up three one or three two in this? They were up three to one. Remember. They lost the last three, three. to one. Yeah, yeah exactly. two of, the, two so, of those I on mean, home ice. That's a that's a major gag. I mean, at least the Lightning they did the disservice of just getting yeah. swept by Columbus. These guys, they're up three one, having scored yeah. more points than any team in the history of the hockey National Hockey yeah. League. And how about this? Sergey Bobrovsky is the goalie who's beaten the two best teams of all time. In the first round, that's of right. Because he was right. Columbus's goalie, and now he's Florida's goalie, beating the Bruins. That's it. And Carter Verhage, former Lightning prospect or former Lightning player, player uh, had yeah. the game-winning goal. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, credit Florida, man. And you know, that's a team that the Lightning had taken out the last few years too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, both both these teams have have uh, have have earned it you know what i'm saying like there's like, just like the lightning had to earn it and, mm-hmm. and go through the experiences with boston and chicago and uh, you know before they columbus before they finally push through these teams have had you know lightning have had knocked these teams out every year so um so they they you know you go into the garden in game seven man and win that is that is huge especially with the yeah. kind of year that boston had but back to the lightning it's Stamkos said it 
after the game on Saturday night. He goes, we played a better series than we did last year. Yeah, they gave up a lot of goals last year. I, I mean, I mean, Toronto dominated parts of that series last year. You know, they couldn't close it out in Game Six and Seven, but Toronto was the one who carried more of that play that last year. The Lightning carried play yeah. in this series. They did. They really did. You know, and and, and it, it. You know, he kind of said it's it's it stinks and being done this early. I mean, think about it. this: is only the third time in the last nine years they've been done before May. Yeah. Well, there's two ways to look at it, and we talked about it before we came on. Like, on the one hand, this team, this current team that they have, we're not going to be constructed the same again. Every year you say mm-hmm. that, it's like, you know, this group will not be together. Now, will there be core guys together? Yes, but but a lot of those core guys are a year older now, and and you had you had that nucleus still together, and they all stayed healthy for the most part all year long. So you had a chance to make a run with this guys. I don't know how many more chances you're going to get. So you kind of lament the fact that, wow, they were right there. And if they get out of this series, look, they got Florida. Mm, They could have maybe been back in the Eastern Conference final. However, they played so much hockey in the last three years that in 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 the macro in the long term again you want to maximize every chance you get with these this core group of players but for the first time in so long they're going to actually have an off season a chance to rest a chance to heal to mentally get away from the game you know they have, they such have a four grind. and a half months till training camp i mean that they're used to about two mm-hmm. you know if that and uh i think it's i think it could maybe do now Salary cap hockey caught up to him, I think. You know, I think on the defensive end, they weren't as good this year. And they're going to have to make tough decisions. I mean, there was a reason Alex Kalorn sat at his locker longer than a lot of guys, you know. He's an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, you can't, I, I can't see how the Lightning can bring him back, at least at his current salary of $4.45 million. Exactly. You know, so is so he going to change like, again. We know he loves Tampa. We know he mm-hmm. wants to live here and retire here. Yeah, doesn't want to play anywhere else. Right. He may right. have to, or maybe he's done. You got older free agents as well: Pierre Edward Belmar, Corey Perry, Brian Elliott, all thirty-seven, thirty-eight years old, unrestricted free agents. I think all those guys are gone. Uh, they may all retire. I mean, they may go they elsewhere. Could. Yeah. Uh, Ian Cole's Belmar's unrestricted free agent. Yeah, Belmar's in that group. Hmm. Um, and they're already at the cap. They're essentially $2 million below the cap at this point for next year. And right. they've got lots of holes to fill. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and you know, Julian Breezeball will have to thread that needle. They're going to have their exits, I guess, uh, some media availability. on uh, That'll be tomorrow on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Now, so we're going to try to get Eduardo and Sinan after that to kind of break down the season and what's ahead for the Lightning. So Yeah, yeah, that'll be great um, to talk to Ed again and uh, – it would, you know, the the thing about any season, whether it's the postseason in hockey, basketball, any, any, when you, when you get you work so hard and for so long, and the season's so long, you get to the postseason, and whenever you go out, it it just it just it's so quick, it's so it's so sudden, it's so final that it's just like wow, that's that's the season, that's it, no more hockey. Like okay, what are we gonna do now? Um, but uh, and and you know that's gonna hit those guys. Because they know they could still be playing, um, but you know you're not always going to win. 
I mean, it's a tough league. The teams don't do what they've done these last three years. And, you know, other guys play hard and want to win too. And so – It'll be interesting you know, to hear what the injuries are too. I mean, we know Chernak didn't play after the hit by Michael Bunting. And, and that was a big oh, that was a big hurt in this series. Braden Point, I think the last two games didn't look like himself. Hedman's been hurt all year. Uh, yeah, I think Hedman's been hurt. I, I think we're probably going to hear more Tanner Janot. What was wrong with him? Right. Um, you know, and there's probably others. There'll be others we don't know about. Yeah, uh, it's always impressive when Julian Breezeball reads down the list of injuries, and you're going, "Wow, how do you play with that?" <laughs> Which. Right, and I get it. Like it's like during the years, like no upper body, lower body, uh, uh, you know, no, no, uh, no update. You know, like, and then you get to the end of the year, and and they they run out the list of surgeries these guys are going to have to have, and it's just like, wait a minute, he was playing with what? That's when we learned Alex Kalorn had what, like a, a broken leg or yeah, something. Yeah, he was going to try to play with a rod in his leg <laughs> in the Stanley Cup final, and it's like what? And Ryan McDonough last posted what played with a broken hand the whole time. Broken hand, yeah. You know, I mean, I things like that, you're stick. just like, wow. They're the toughest guys in the world, man. Toughest guys in the world. But uh, entertaining hockey season, entertaining series, unless you're a Lightning fan. And then, wow, to lose three straight overtimes at home, to lose 10 out of the last 11, that's just incredible. So I guess the lesson is win in regulation. But it it was a uh, it was a tough series for a Lightning fan. It really was. I thought they... I thought when they got back to Tampa after they won in Toronto, I thought they had a really good shot to make it get it to Game Seven. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Toronto fan would have been real confident if they had gone back and had to watch them in Game Seven. They'd have been nervous. And um, but how many years has it been since 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 the Maple Leafs won a playoff series? It was two thousand four, the first the year the Lightning won their first Stan, Stanley Cup. So that was the last time they won a first. Four. Yeah. Good lord, that's a long time ago, man. Mm-hmm. And had had cataclysmic uh, collapses in some of those, you yes. know, up three one, and and you know this would have been yeah. another one. Yeah, this core had through. lost what ten straight uh, games where they could have eliminated the opponent. Incredible. It's kind of like the Lightning's overtime record. Like at some point, you got to <laughs> win <right>. one. <laughs> I mean, the law of averages, something's got to give, and it did, and it was it was the Lightning um, this time. But good season, entertaining season. And it's just unfortunate that that group that they had uh, won't be together again. It'll be different next year. All right, well, um, we'll have more to talk about with the Lightning later this week, hopefully with Ed and Cena. We'll talk Rays. They took three out of four with the Chicago White Sox. Ooh, but should have been four out of four. Yeah, actually blew a 3-1 lead in the ninth, gave up, what, six runs in the ninth inning on a walk-off, three-run homer to go with that. Um, it, that was tough. That was one of those, this is one of those yeah, you know, three out of four, it's good, but, man, did you see how they blew that game? There's one concern I have about this this Rays team. It's sort of, you know, well, now you're getting some guys nicked up too and you guys hurt, especially mm-hmm. in the bullpen. But like, I don't know that they've really figured out sort of that middle to late bullpen. Like, you know, yeah. you know who your closers are, but there's there's some there's some gaps yeah. in the bullpen. I, I mean, you know, Jalen Beeks is going to take the brunt of today's game. He will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gave up what? Uh, he gave a one hard hit and three soft hits. Yeah, that's I mean, the game, I, though, now. Well, you know? It, it I mean, is, but, I mean, those soft hits, it's like. Not all on him, no. Yeah, I mean, now he hit a batter as well, and you put that on him, of course. and Gave up the home run. No, Clevenger gave up the home run. Oh, Clevenger did. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
But I mean, you know, there was Beak, a couple pitches like he hung a couple curveballs, which I didn't think yeah. he would throw that many curveballs. Yeah. Beak's got a head in the count. He was he was o two a lot or two strikes, yeah. and then you know get some soft contact that goes down for a hit. I mean, you can't. They had eyes. There was a flare to right yeah. field, one through the ground. Yeah. I mean, it happens, right? But um, but it wasn't like he was hanging stuff. That they were just pounding. No, I mean, you know, it's no, he it, wasn't. It stinks for him, and and he didn't get the job done, but. You know, that's one of those. It's not like he went out there just throwing meat up there and they're just pounding it. It's just that they wasted such a great offensive mm-hmm. out. But of course, the night before, they what pounded? Well, they were no hit for they anything. were no hit for six yeah. innings and came out and scored seven or ten runs in the seventh. They scored ten runs in the seventh. It was ridiculous. Still hitting home runs every day. Uh, Taylor Walls had another one. I mean, they um, they're they're pounding the ball. Yeah, I had, a, the I had a buddy news. text me during the uh, Lightning game. He's like, man, the Rays, Rays, you know, stink tonight. They were down whatever three nothing, whatever. I said, it's the White Sox. Don't worry, their pitching stinks. The Rays will have plenty of offense. It'll be fine. <laughs> they did. Sure enough, a couple innings later, they scored ten in the seventh. And yeah, the weird thing is now they got outscored, but they they, they were out hit. They gave up eighteen hits. Yeah. on Sunday, it's a lot of hits, man. It is. But um, but you'll take the three out of four, and and you move on, and. You know, Kevin Cash isn't going to be too yeah. upset about that. Off day today, and then the the Pirates, the Red Hot Pirates, one of the best teams town. in baseball, surprisingly, uh, in town. Yeah. starting Tuesday. I'm going to go Thursday. I'm nice. going to the game. Uh, day game. Yeah, I got a, it's a matinee, baby. A little businessman special. Businessman special. That's it. Going to get some business done <laughs> at the trop that day. More so, than anyone yeah, knows. For, oh yeah. Are you uh, are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be there, or are you going to be? Uh, are you producing uh, that day? I'm not. I may. I'm. You know what? Now that the Lightning are uh, <laughs> don't have any games this week, uh, maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll go to the game too. I don't know. We'll see. Well, the good news is, except for like maybe Sunday nights, we're actually going to get some sleep for a change. It's hard to believe that uh, you know for three years the Lightning have kept us up past midnight. So, and by the way, the uh, Stanley Cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche, down one nothing in Game Seven now in the second period. So that just as we're taping this. The Kraken just scored. Gotta love the Kraken, man. This would be a big. This would be great for their franchise, wouldn't it? Oh well, I mean, any franchise, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Any, but I mean, especially them, you know, early and. But I mean, just kind of if if that if that score holds and it's still early in the second period, but yeah, if the Avs are out, the defending champs, the Lightning are mm-hmm. out, the defending champs, the two years prior, and the Bruins, who set all the records of all of them out in the first round. Hmm. If that holds, of course. But you know what's happening, though. You can feel it. You know what's happening because I do. What's that? Well, for years, the last few years, uh, this was Champa Bay, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that's that's certainly completely eroded with the departure of Tom Brady and and now the Lightning losing. Well, the Rays are the best team in baseball. It's not over yet. No, hey, all right, not over. Not totally over. But just go with me here. Okay. We don't know how the Rays are going to wind up. They might win a hundred games and. I don't know, not in the playoffs. Um, start spreading the news. Take a look at your New York Knicks, at your New York Rangers. I'm telling you, something's going to go on there. And how about well, the Rangers have the game Yankees. seven tonight. Well, that's true. By the time I say this, they could lose. They could be over. Uh, but but most well, importantly, tonight being Monday night, not not as we're taping. Right, this. right, right, right. Most importantly, 
Aaron freaking Rodgers with the Jets, 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 baby. That is that is going nutso up there. This is Tom Brady to the Bucks on steroids. Because remember, he came here, small little sleepy market of Tampa Bay during COVID, no less. Still got plenty of attention, but not like the Big Apple, baby. Not like when you get the back page every day. See, Rodgers went to a Rangers game the other night. Mm-hmm. The place went bananas. But is he even the quarterback in his division? <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I, I'd, say, I'd say at this point in his career, he's not the best quarterback in the conference for sure. He's definitely not in the conference, no. He's got probably maybe three or four might could be yeah. better than him right now. I mean, that but, was the um, one thing about Brady is, is you know, the team I tell, and the Jets have talent. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. But he was by far the best quarterback in the division. That's true, yeah, because, yeah, at that point, Drew Brees was in his final season. Yeah, and, and we knew his shoulder and arm wasn't nearly was what gone. it was. And, right. You know, I mean, career-wise, Brees was, you know, a great career, but at that point in his career, he wasn't. Drew right. Brees, as Matt you Ryan was in his last legs in Atlanta mm-hmm. in 2020. Yeah. Um, Carolina was Carolina. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, for New York, yeah. it's you know, and and for the Jets, it's huge. Well, I got news for you. Before the year's over, Rodgers might not be the best quarterback in his division. Um, and that is not just because of Josh Allen, like you mentioned, and others. There might be one Tom Brady in my Well, that's true. Too. <laughs> so are we sure? Are we sure that uh, that Rodgers is favored to win the AFC East? Because uh, that number 12 shows up down there. So if Tua gets a headache, um, you might you might see the GOAT come out of retirement, but who knows. Anyway, um, should be interesting. Well, listen, uh, busy week of sports, obviously. Like I said, you got the uh, Lightning. We'll try to get Eduardo and Cena uh, after their exits, we'll talk a little race baseball maybe later this week with, with maybe Mark Tompkin. I'll be at the box on Wednesday. I have a chance to talk to the defensive coaches. And just one final thing. If you get on your knees tonight or say prayer, whoever you, uh, whoever you, uh, talk to, uh, uh, quietly, just keep your thoughts with the Barrett family and, uh, and their loss and, and hope that, uh, you can bring them some strength because they're going to need it. Um, thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.